It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. You are Locked On Packers. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. New intro. We are rocking a new intro. Uh, we had to had to make some tweaks to it uh, and, and trying to figure out how I can incorporate some of those other lines because I do like some of those lines, uh, but I also like the new intro. Uh, Arif Hassan is on the program today from The Athletic, covers the Minnesota Vikings, does a great job there. And the reason that he is going to be on the show is because the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday morning made not quite a blockbuster trade, but something approximating a blockbuster trade. Maybe it was a Hollywood video trade where they got Yannick Ngakwe from the Jacksonville Jaguars for a second round pick and a conditional fifth-round pick that could get better depending on if Ngakwe hits certain thresholds in the 2020 season. Of course, this has repercussions for the Green Bay Packers because not only did the Packers open their season with the Minnesota Vikings, they have to play them twice, and the expectation is that the amount of, of draft capital given up to get Ngakwe is indicative of a team that wants him as more than a rental. So they're negotiating his money down from the franchise tag, which is what the Jaguars wanted him to play on this season, to a significantly lower amount. And the idea, of course, is that then he becomes a long-term player on a long-term contract. You give up the money in the short term to then earn that money in the long run. He's better than whoever the Vikings would have trotted out there. And for the Packers, that's the part that they have to figure out. It's the part they have to worry about. And this dovetails with a decision the Packers are having to make right now about the right tackle spot. Because someone like Daniel Hunter is going to play all of that spot. He's going to line up on the left side of the defense going up against the right tackle. And if the guy on the other side is Everson Griffin, you've got a great one-two punch. If it is Afedi Odenebo, it's not quite the same level of impact when you have David Bakhtiari on the left side. 
You feel good about that matchup if you're the Packers. If it's Ngakwe, now you have a much different level of concern. Ngakwe is one of the best pass rushers in the league. He's not the run defender Griffin is, and he is not the overall consistent play-to-play player that Griffin was. But as a pass rusher, he's one of the five, six, seven best in football, along with, by the way, Daniil Hunter. The Packers are having to decide between Billy Turner and Rick Wagner at right tackle, and there are going to be reps, in all likelihood, that they're going to have to face Ngakwe. Let's say Hunter, who is dealing with some sort of mystery injury, has been out two weeks, can't go or is in some way limited in week one. Well, if that were the case a week ago, the Vikings wouldn't have anyone who could go out there and approximate his production against an inferior offensive lineman. And if we're being frank, that's what the Packers would have at that right tackle spot. Not inferior necessarily overall, but certainly someone who'd be overmatched against a player the caliber of Yannick Ngakwe. So not only are you now having to worry a little bit more about David Bakhtiari, you have to think a little bit more about sliding protection his way at times. Now they have more depth. They have more options. They have more flexibility. If Hunter gets hurt, now they have someone who can exploit that Wagner or Turner weakness such that there is one. Now Wagner is coming back from injury, and if he is the guy that we saw a couple years ago in Detroit, even two years ago in Detroit last year, injuries hurt him. Well, by the way, he's hurt. Billy Turner has never been a high-quality right tackle starter, at least for any length of time. Now he's looked solid in camp there, and Lane Taylor has been outstanding in camp, and maybe Billy Turner ends up winning that right tackle spot if for no other reason than Lane Taylor has been so good. But this is a dynamic shift from what the the matchups with the Vikings would have otherwise been. And we're going to talk to Arif in a little bit about what this means financially for the Vikings because it does create some potential issues for them. They're already going to be over the cap next year, and now you're adding in you know, someone like Ngakwe, who's presumably going to get a long-term deal. Well, what does that mean for Dalvin Cook? What does that mean for some of the other players on this roster? Adam Thielen's going to want a new deal. Hunter's going to want a new deal. And, and yet you have a situation where maybe you can't pay all these guys and Ngakwe. Now, if you can pay a premier pass rusher who's young, you're going to do that. And that is certainly the smart thing to do over someone like Dalvin Cook. So, I mean, it seems like he's going to be a part of the plan here for a long time. Green Bay needs to find a long-term solution at right tackle. They may need to call Jared Valdir. And we've talked about this before, but Valdir has expressed interest in returning. Uh, Rob Domofsky tweeted about it, and, and Valdir said, look, call me up. I'm ready to go. And I would not be surprised at all if the Packers made that move, especially since Wagner's dealing with an injury. Alex Light very clearly is not it. And they don't have much depth behind him. So my guess is, my 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 estimation of this is the Packers are waiting on Tremont Williams and Jared Valdir in this way. They want to give the guys on their roster every opportunity, every snap to win those jobs. Josh Jackson started off camp well 
and has been up and down. Had an up and down practice on Sunday in what was a close to live scrimmage, something approximating what family night would be. Got burned for a touchdown, had a pass interference call, and and had a, a nice play or two, but generally was uneven. He is he is not really stacking his success the same way someone like Marquez Valdez Scantling is. So maybe Green Bay decides, look, Jamal Williams has got to come play. He's got to, we, we don't trust Josh Jackson. And I think the same thing is happening right now on the right side. Jared Valdir is the breaking case of emergency. If they don't feel good enough about, I think, multiple options, because in a season that is going to be affected by the, the COVID-19 pandemic, and you're probably going to lose some players for, for some amount of time, you need the most amount of capable bodies that you can. And, you know, the, the depth the Packers have at tackle is just not going to work in NFL games. And it's certainly not going to work against a team that has two pass rushers like Minnesota has now. The Bears have two pass rushers who can kill you. The Saints have multiple pass rushers who can beat you. The, the best teams that they're going to face have multiple guys. You need to be solid left and right. We saw what Jared Valdir is capable of doing in the divisional round against Seattle, against Jadavion Clowney. Handled that matchup. I think the Packers are going to consider it, and I think it's something that they would be wise to consider. Now, just one little addendum to all of this. Nate Tice, who um, covers the league, uh, he tweeted out a stat that, that Ngakwe at home has 10 sacks in 32 games. On the road has 27 and a half sacks in 31 games. He loves to jump snap counts. Loves to jump snap counts. And I there is a 100% chance, I tweeted this out, a 100% chance Rodgers catches him against the Vikings in week one. And Everson Griffin was notorious for jumping off sides. Rodgers in, in the Vikings, the first Vikings game last year, got him multiple times. Ngakwe is going to be the same way. And, and what's interesting is Green Bay is kind of set up ideally to handle someone like Ngakwe for this reason. He's going to go up against your left tackle. Okay, Green Bay has a left tackle who has the feet and, and the fundamentals and the prowess to handle rushers like Ngakwe who are speed guys, speed to power guys. And that is something that he's always done well. So all right now you've got the one-on-one matchup guy. If you want to play him one-on-one, the Packers have as good a player as you can ask for in the league to do that. The other thing is you can run at Ngakwe. Well, okay, what is the bread and butter run play for the Packers outside zone? They already like to run to the edges and, of course, then cut back to a soft middle interior defensive line for the Vikings where Michael Pierce has opted out, out this season and they just don't have a lot of other options. And finally, what do you do to neutralize pass rushers? You play action them. So what is the essential part of this offense? This offense philosophically is based on outside zone and play action off of it. So the Packers are ideally suited to handle someone like Ngakwe. They have the perfect left tackle to do it. Hunter is always going to be on the opposite side. And they're going to run at him. They're going to play action him. And they're going to hard count him. 
because Aaron Rodgers is the best hard count quarterback in league history, the best free play quarterback in league history. They are set up to stop players exactly like Ngakwe. Now, it only takes one or two plays. That's the beauty of having a high-impact pass rusher is it only takes one or two plays a game. One or two plays, really, you know, half a dozen plays in a season can be the difference in, you know, a win, two wins even. So, you know, the, the, the Vikings are still hoping for that high variance, but Green Bay is set up to stymie the Vikings. And I, I think it's the kind of thing that he changes, he changes the perspective of the team, but I don't know that he changes the ultimate trajectory, the ultimate ceiling of them all that much. And if you're having issues with trajectory of a personal nature, Roman can help. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we brush it off or we blame ourselves or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day. I'm just not in the mood. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plans. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you for free with two-day shipping. The whole process is easy, simple, and of course, discreet. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL to get $15 off your first order. David Harrison here, the Locked On Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's Killer Bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed-coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread bread for a reason. It tastes so stinking good. Dave's Killer Bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-GMO ingredients and is power packed with whole grains, fiber, and protein. Visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store. All right, let's get to my conversation with Arif. You can follow him on Twitter at Arif Hassan NFL. Covers the Vikings for The Athletic, which you can subscribe to. He also has a couple podcasts you could listen to, especially Vikings Week to get in the mindset. Arif, thanks for joining Locked on Packers. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. So the Vikings made a pretty shocking move uh, at 6.30 in the morning East Coast time um, on, on Sunday. And it is something that became the, the big news story of the day, of course, one of the big news stories of the offseason. When you, when you saw the reports of Yannick Ngakwe to the Vikings, just what was your top-line initial reaction to it? Uh, to check to see if it was fake. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you take a look at the Adam Schefter news, you're like, okay, well, I see the check mark, but I know that people have been kind of messing around with it. Maybe they used a little seven or whatever. So, you know, you check his followers, it's over a million. You're like, okay, well, this is probably real. And then you quote tweet it. And then after that, I'm just like, 
Man, the Vikings like never make a splash play until they make a huge splash play, right? right? <laughs> like it's nothing all season. Teddy gets her trade a first round pick for Sam Bradford, right? It's right. that sort of thing. So uh, you you always have to like kind of check yourself. And then I thought, uh, you know, second round pick, fifth round pick with conditions. Honestly, you know, the Vikings obviously are baking in a long term deal for this. I think it's a really good deal for both teams because you know Jacksonville, I don't think is on an upward trajectory despite the fact that I personally like Gardner Minshew. So I think it's great for them. Uh, the Vikings have a number of extra picks, especially in that fourth, fifth round range uh, for 2021. Uh, and so they've got a little bit more latitude to play with. The second round pick obviously is going to hurt to part with. But yeah, honestly, uh, I think that's pretty fair value so long as they get that long-term deal. So, you know, one of those trades that you don't often see is kind of a win-win. Obviously for Jacksonville, if they had acted sooner, much better win for them, right? But given... Sure. If we only look at the fact that he was refusing to sign his his franchise tag, I think that that's a good, you know, way to save face a little bit. We're going to get to the ramifications of the salary cap part of this and the money that they'll theoretically give him. But I, I think the most immediate question as it pertains to the team on the field, Everson Griffin is in Dallas now. Yannick Ngakwe takes his place. So just from... The upgrade standpoint, how big of an upgrade do you think this is for the Vikings? Uh, well, it, it kind of depends on on which way you take a look at it. I think from a pass rush perspective and a consistency perspective, I think it is an upgrade. Uh, you know, Griffin dropped off in the second half of the season pretty significantly in terms of things like run stop rate, in terms of things like pass rush win rate, pressure rate, whatever metric you want to use to evaluate edge rushers. Uh, Griffin fell off pretty tremendously, and if it wasn't for uh, his wonderful performance against the Saints in the wild card game. I think everyone would maybe potentially write him off as washed. Uh, and so, you know, great situation for him to be a rotational rusher in Dallas. But, you know, the Vikings need somebody who can play a thousand snaps. And while I do like Gafadi Adenova, the guy who was slated to play at that right defensive end position, I, I think that very clearly Ngakwe is a premier edge rusher, maybe not an elite one, but certainly a premier one to pair with an elite one. Uh, and so I think you do end up with an upgrade from that perspective. Now, Griffin was a much better run defender. Than Ngakwe is. So that's something that the Vikings love to take care of and take note of. Uh, you know, the Vikings have, like any kind of hard-nosed defensive coach-led team, uh, have prioritized, I think, a little bit to their detriment, the ability to stop the run on early downs. That's why they invest so much in nose tackles uh, that are not, you know, Kenny Clark and their ability to, to rush the passer uh, and, and want to make sure that they can set up for good third downs because despite how good they were generating turnovers last year. They're not really a turnover-dependent defense by design. So they really want to force punts into that. They think that that means stopping the run. So uh, from that perspective, that is actually a downgrade, you know, despite the differences in age, energy, and, and, and the ability to kind of get off the line. Uh, the, the run defense portion is, I think, uh, in favor of Griffin. But I think overall, you end up with a more consistent pass rusher that has the ability to generate more pressure on a regular basis. So uh, that that definitely is an upgrade, and man, is this division stacked with pass rushers! It really, it really is. There was I saw a tweet uh, after this came out, and it was just like, okay, Mac and Quinn, the Smith brothers, now Hunter and Glockway, and even if you want to throw in Trey Flowers, I mean that it's it's pretty incredible. Um, there, there is, uh, I'm not going to ask you to speculate because that would be unfair, but there has been some discussion about Daniel Hunter. Um, he's missed, I think it's 11 practices. Um, is that now 12, uh, and hasn't played in or practiced in two weeks. We don't really know what the deal is. I'll ask it this way. Does it raise your concern level 
about Hunter's injury and his potential availability once we hit the regular season? I think the trade itself does not for me because I think that the Vikings are unlikely to make this trade in a situation where all they can accomplish is the ability to tread water. Um, you know, I think if there was kind of something more desperate, you know, the Vikings would have already put Daniil Hunter on IR. They would have signed Jadevian Clowney with the cap savings, and then they would have traded for Yannick and Gok. Like, if that's how desperate they are. Um, I don't think that's it. I think that they think Hunter's going to be healthy, uh, and they want to have an elite pair together. And, and that's something the Vikings have had forever now, ever since uh, Ray Edwards and Jefferson Al- uh, Jared Allen, Jefferson Allen, Ray Edwards and, and Jared Allen were lining up together. Um, they've always had the ability to produce double-digit sacks from either pass rusher. Uh, and, and the worst player that they've had uh, from a production standpoint is Brian Robison, which is just a really wonderful situation to be when when you're starting. Yeah, what a luxury. Pieces. Yeah, so uh, they've always had that, and they've always wanted to have that, and I think that this was a move for that. And then from a from a reading the tea leaves perspective, and I, I know that speculation is, is, is not super useful, but I, I feel very strongly from reading the tea leaves that the Vikings do feel that he'll start week one. So um, I, I'm okay. really not that worried about uh, Daniel Hunter's health at this point. In terms of the way that this team is now structured, uh, there was a ton of upheaval at the cornerback position this offseason. They're basically starting from scratch at the position. And I know Mike Hughes and Holton Hill are holdovers, but you've got um, Cam Dantzler um, and and Jeff Gladney that are going to come in and and be asked to play right away. Obviously, you have the opportunity to add a really good player at a reasonable price. You do that. But it does seem like the intention is, hey, we have some question marks at the cornerback position. Let's do our best to protect them as much as we can and upgrade this pass rush. It just sort of worked out that way, right? Yeah, and and Zimmer said uh, on on the conference call uh, right before practice today that they'd been looking to add uh, a, a premier yeah. edge rusher all offseason. So obviously, that usually it primarily meant Everson Griffin, but when that didn't work, that checked on Jadevian Clowney. They didn't like um, what they saw there either in terms of money or in terms of you know what they would get out of Clowney or, or, or whatever it is. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously then the next step is to, to see who's on the trade block and Ngakwe is the best example of somebody who could be had, uh, especially for that price. So, um, that's something that they thought for a while and Zimmer explicitly said it might help protect that, that young cornerback group. And so now, uh, you know, this group of corners, you know, the oldest of whom is like 24 or something ridiculous like that. Um, and that includes like all the way down the depth chart, right? Um, the, they now are protected up front a little bit by uh, those pass rushers and are protected on the back end um, by that elite safety pair, uh, which that's another thing that this division does a really good job of. Um, it's sometimes even swapping them, I guess, right? But yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> um, it's, it's something that uh, really, like you said, works out in a, in a pretty significant way for them to kind of complement um, their their weaknesses in a way that they don't have to directly go out and find a cornerback because that is significantly harder. I kind of think that Jadavion Clowney would have been really good in this defense, but that's neither here nor there. From a financial standpoint, um, the the Vikings were able to get uh, Ngakwe to come down off of what would have been the, the number at the franchise tag. As you said, the assumption is that he's going to be on a long-term deal here sooner rather than later. So how does that impact the rest of this team moving forward? Because the Vikings were a franchise that was already going to have cap issues in 2021. 
Uh, we may take a huge haircut off of a haircut is, is understating what the, the cap could look like in 2021. So what are the, the ramifications? What are the potential outs for the Vikings in terms of crafting a roster and still making sure that they can pay for it all? Yeah, the, the players that are best suited for some kind of restructure uh, in order for the Vikings to accommodate this, both for 2020, because, you know, taking a little bit off of that cap hit for, for 2019 is, is not going to be enough given their cap situation. Um, our offensive tackle, Riley Reef, you know, uh, kind of an aged veteran that just never has lived up to his contract. Uh, Harrison Smith, which strikes me as unlikely. Adam Thielen, same thing. You know, he's probably going to want more money, not less. Um, and, uh, you know, the other name, you know, I forget already. But it's, uh, I think it's likely to be Riley Reef. Uh, and obviously the problem there is the Vikings have already found, in theory, what they think might be their left tackle of the future in Ezra Cleveland, even though he seems to be like a third string guard right now. Uh, and so, you know, your ability to... to I'm sure Vikings fans are, are oh, yeah, reacting calmly and smoothly yeah. to that. Yeah, they're, they're, they're reacting to that um, about as level-headed as, as anybody, right? But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the... The idea then is not to commit to a long-term deal with uh, Riley Reef uh, in that situation, but if you're going to convince him to reduce the amount of money that he's going to get paid uh, on the contract, you have to provide something else in a negotiation, and that's probably to guarantee some set of future years. And he doesn't have any guarantees, as far as I know, aside from the prorated signing bonus uh, heading into 2021. So um, that would be kind of the difficult decision the Vikings would make. I doubt that they would cut Riley Reef right now and just put Ezra Cleveland at, at tackle. He's taken like three reps in camp at tackle. Uh, and yeah, I guess those reps have looked fine, but they, you don't really want to go into the season without that much practice there. So um, yeah, that that seems to be the question. Um, they could rework a couple of other deals. Uh, obviously, um, Daniil Hunter is on the steal of a deal. So at some point, Hunter's going to want um, you know a long-term deal that better reflects his talent level. And, and that's going to be a difficult conversation too. You might be able to rework that deal to free up some cap space early on. But like you said, 2021 is just this really bizarre environment. And you're probably going to have to deal with the restricted cap space in 2021. Uh, and how they choose to deal with that, I don't know. Maybe, you know, the NFL, the NFLPA work out a proration system or a percentage cut, in which case, no worries. But if not, you know, then then the Vikings are in real problems. Yeah, you know who would love for Ezra Cleveland to start week one? Uh, Mike Patton, Zedaria Smith, Preston yeah, Smith, no, Rashawn Gary. So uh, I, I thought coming into last year that the Vikings were a more talented team than Green Bay. And I thought that after what happened this offseason with the turnover, the digs trade, that that flipped. Although I don't think the difference is that big or was that big. Where were you pre-trade on that difference? And do you think this trade flips how you feel about it? Uh, I mean, I think it's still going to be a team that if they win more than nine games has to be a team that significantly improves its offense because I think its defense is likely regressing. And not because, you know, Xavier Rhodes was just a wonderful cornerback that they just couldn't manage to hold on to. Um, but because you take a significantly below average cornerback and average cornerback and Trey Waynes and the surprisingly good slot defender, Mackenzie Alexander, there's a lot of room to, to downgrade, even with, you know, players that you feel are potentially better because they're all unknowns. Right. And so I think the primary question still is how, how well can this offense perform? Because I think the defense is going to take a step back. This staunches the bleeding to that effect. And so, um, 
the Vikings have probably improved from a nine win to a nine and a half win, hopefully a 10 win team as a result of this sort of thing. You know, whenever you say that, people are always kind of shocked because, you know, wow, he's a premier player. You don't think they gain more than a win from that or, or only get half a win from that. But I mean, the wins are hard to come by in the NFL. And one player of 22 starters, 24 impact players, um, is it's difficult to get them to generate more than half a win. And so if you can get up to a win from one player, that's an enormous win. Um, from your uh, front office standpoint. I think that's kind of where the Vikings are, where they might have added a half a win or a full win um, by by doing this. And I think that that is a good move. And so moving from nine and a half to 10 or nine to nine and a half or, or something along those lines in a division where you can make the case for any of these teams to get nine wins, um, like all four of them. I mean, I personally, not a ton of faith in the Bears, but you can make the case, right? Uh, sure. And so I, I think that's pretty big. Like if, if this division finished where all four teams finished within one and a half wins of each other uh i would not be shocked so does that mean you're on the the mina kimes detroit lions train this year yeah no absolutely um you know i I think uh i was on a lions podcast like um weeks before mina uh tweeted out that amazing gif and uh, <laughs> and I was like, you know, I see the Lions as a potentially nine win team and who knows that could win the division. And it was like on a Twitch stream and like they went wild. And I was like, this should not be weird. Matthew Stafford had just this insane year. Um, He's really good so, and was really good last year, too. So when you have yeah. a good quarterback that that can that can cover a lot of sins. It can, for your it team. can. And they've got like the deepest receiving core in the league. So there's the, you, they've got uh, they've got tools. It is really good. Yeah, it's it is one of those divisions where it's like I wouldn't be surprised if no team had fewer than seven or more than nine wins like that would be totally reasonable to me. And Vegas agrees, by the way, Uh, Arif, this was great. I appreciate your insight. Uh, Let my listeners know where they can find the work that you do. Yeah. So uh, my written work, you can find that at theathletic.com slash author slash Arif Dash Hassan. Uh, or you can find uh, my podcasts. I've got uh, one I produce or two I produce on the Vikings. One's called Norse Code. The other one is called The Football Machine. Uh, or you can just find me on Twitter at Arif Hassan NFL, uh, where I'm significantly less serious. Both both sides of you are good, Arif. I like both sides of you. I appreciate you coming on the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football here on the Locked On Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there. Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats. You can pick from main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft, and you can even play private contests with your friends. There's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel, and that's what I love about it. Experience season-long wins without the season-long waits. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. This episode is brought to you by Wise. Progress is great, isn't it? People listen to music on record players, then tapes and CDs, and now you can stream music and podcasts. When technology moves forward, you move with it. Like with Wise, the modern way to move money internationally. It's smarter and simpler. 
They use new technologies. So when you send, spend, or convert money with WISE, you get a better exchange rate with lower fees. And over 30% of transfers arrive in less time than it takes to listen to this right now. Join over 10 million people and businesses and try WISE for free at wise.com slash podcast. I want to thank Arif again for joining the show. Always great to talk to him. And... I the last question is interesting about where these two teams stand. Where are they in relation to one another? And as I told Arif, I think that Green Bay was ahead of Minnesota heading into, you know, three days ago or whatever. And I don't know if that much has changed. And I'll tell you why. If you look at premium positions... And let's just take quarterback out of it, for example, because I think, you know, the, the statistics will say Kirk Cousins the last two years has been better than Aaron Rodgers. I know every single person listening to this would be mad if I said that Aaron Rodgers is not as good as Kirk Cousins. So let's just take that out for a second. I, I don't actually think that Aaron Rodgers is not as good as Kirk Cousins. I think Cousins has had better statistical seasons each of the last two years. I think Aaron Rodgers is a better player. Okay, bye. Uh, if you look at the other premium positions, pass rush, Green Bay has the advantage because they have three guys and and potentially four. Rashawn Gary was outstanding again at the scrimmage yesterday, and that's something we're going to talk about as this week progresses because he has just been an absolute star in camp for the Packers. Cornerback, Green Bay has an obvious advantage. Offensive line, Green Bay has an obvious advantage and receiver both teams have two star receivers and a bunch of question marks Adams is better than Thielen and Justin Jefferson has more pedigree than Alan Lazard but most rookies are bad I've always said this even though I loved Justin Jefferson and I think it will be a tall task in a season where he has had no off season to get prepared for him to be good, certainly the first month or two of the season. Even someone like Debo Samuel, who ended up being good, it took him a while to get into the flow of the offense. It took him a while to prove that he should be a part of the offense. So certainly for week one, I think Green Bay has a, a clear advantage at receiver. They have more proven options beyond their star player, even if Jefferson is probably more naturally gifted than the other guys that Green Bay is putting out there. In a, a year or two, we might be having a different kind of conversation, but who knows? MVS was also excellent on Sunday, and Alan Lazard, I think, still has plenty of potential to be a really high-quality number two receiver. Beyond that, you have to think that Kirk Cousins is a lot better than Aaron Rodgers to close that gap. You have to think that the gap at the non-priority positions is really leaning heavily in favor of the Vikings to believe that they're a better team. If Green Bay is better at every priority position, how can the Vikings be a better team? The Vikings have better linebackers, okay? Congratulations. They have better safeties. That's important. Safeties, especially on the high end, can be really useful. The running backs, probably a wash. Uh, Green Bay has depth, so does Minnesota. It's close. Tight ends, the Vikings probably have the better group right now. But Green Bay has nice talent. Mercedes Lewis is a really good run blocker. So I, I, I still think the Packers are better. 
I think Ngakwe makes the Vikings better, but I still think the Packers are the better football team. A lot more to get to this week. We are less than two weeks away from the Packers and the Vikings squaring off. So a ton to get to between now and then. More guests to get to, and it'll be the season. So follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay 